Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God, our Heavenly Father, and from our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. The text for today is from the prophet Isaiah, the sixth chapter. My dear friends in Christ, we could spend a lot of time today looking at all of the imagery that's in our reading from Isaiah. And maybe we should. Because there's a lot going on, of course. There's the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up. And you've got to ask, well, who is that Lord that Isaiah sees? Well, that's none other but the Son of God himself. The train of his robe filled the temple. You've got to imagine that that is indicating this wonderful kingship, you know, that it's just completely filled. I always, when we think of trains, we think of brides coming in, right? And their long train and someone picking it up. But, but a king is no different. Where the king, the length of his train, is able to accomplish or have all of his accomplishments listed right upon it. They write it straight into the fabric. And the longer the train, the more powerful the king. Of course, then there's the seraphim. These mysterious, angelic creatures. These weird angels. Because they don't seem like other angels we know. Angels that look like us. These angels have six wings. They cover their face and they cover their feet and they fly with two wings. It's weird. But apparently they are very important in the worship of all of creation because they cry out with the words, Holy, Holy, Holy. And this has long been seen by the church fathers as a crying out, one holy for each person of the Trinity. Uh, three, they call this the trisagion, the three words, the three cries. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And of course, in Jesus, we know that the earth is filled with the glory of God, not because of our worth but because of the surpassing worth of the blood of Christ shed for us. And then, of course, there's the foundations of the thresholds, and this is really the entire foundation of heaven. We're not talking about just the doors shaking. We're not talking about just a little bit shaking. We're talking about all of heaven shaking because now God speaks and the house is filled with smoke. you got to ask, what's going on here? What's God saying? And I would posit, and it's been posited by others, so it's not just me, that when God speaks in this way, heaven shakes. Because Jesus is speaking to his Father the prayers of the saints of those who are coming to him. That's the smoke filling the temple. And as Jesus speaks to his Father, what you're saying, heaven shakes because of its power. Because that power is in Jesus. Then, of course, there's Isaiah. This silly little prophet who has sat through five kings over Israel. And now, in the year that King Uzziah died, he's taken up into heaven to be given a vision. And he's watching all of this. 
Kind of have to wonder if these visions, and this is just me wondering, if all the times the prophets are taken up into heaven, it's one singular time. Isaiah's taken up at one time, and he sees John, who's taken up, standing there in the future, and yet still at the very same time in heaven. Heaven is a weird place without time. Anything can happen. You can imagine what's going on. They're watching this. They're seeing this worship of God going on in the heavens, and Isaiah realizes something about himself. I don't belong here. I don't belong here. When you're faced with God, your first response is not, how beautiful, how lovely, how wonderful, this is great. Give me, give me, give me. When you're faced with God, you put your neck on a chopping block because you know you don't belong with Him. God is too great. I've said it before and I've said it again. Thinking too much of yourself as you stand before God is like walking into the throne room of the king and hitting on his daughter in front of him. You can't do it without expecting to die. You must understand like Isaiah, you don't belong before God. And it's your fault. Yes, it's true that your parents gave to you original sin. That's passed down. We can't beat that. But even if they had given you that and you were like, well, I still want to do good. How's that going, right? Can any of us say that we are free of sin? Can any of us say that we have not chosen to sin? given a chance between doing that which is righteous and that which is sinful, how many of us can say we always choose the righteous thing? You see, we understand, don't we? And that's because today we stand before God in His presence. God is here. Jesus says, where two or more are gathered in my name, there I am amongst them. And guess whose name we began our service in? The name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. We have gathered in the name of Jesus. Thus, Jesus is here. And he is here, of course, as we've talked about this last month, in word and in sacrament. And we stand before God in all of these things as the word is read, as the word is preached, as we're reminded of our baptism, as we look to the supper where Jesus will come to you. We stand before God in all of this. And we realize, I don't belong here. Isaiah was right. Isaiah was right. He says, I am lost. I'm a man of unclean lips. This is what we say in our confession. That we have sinned in thought, word, and deed. That we honestly, earnestly deserve God's temporal, His right now, and His eternal punishment. I am lost. You know, why does Isaiah say that he's a man of unclean lips? Why is it not that he is a man of unclean heart or an unclean mind or unclean hands? What is it about the lips that make that somewhat special, somewhat different? 
Well, think of what the New Testament calls the tongue, right? The rudder that turns the ship. Our lips, our mouth, betrays who we are. That's why Paul admonishes us not to let any unclean talk come from our mouths. Because a little bit of unclean talk is able to steer the entire ship right through the gates of hell. Our lips betray our heart. We think that our heart, our emotions, our feelings are hidden from the world. We think that our thoughts, all tucked up there in our minds, are are hidden away and no one knows. But you can't help yourself, can you? Can't help speaking that ill word about that person that you call your friend. You can't help speaking an ill word about some situation that's going on. You can't help but say something derogatory towards the leaders that God has put in power over this nation. You can't help it. Your emotions, your mind, all of it spills out of your mouth. You are unclean. And it is then by your mouth that you can say before God, I am unclean. I have these unclean lips. Woe is me. This is a very serious and a very simple confession of sin, is it not? We have a whole lot of words to describe everything that we do in our sin. We confess our words and our thoughts and our deeds, what we've done, what we've left undone, that we've sinned against God, that we've sinned against our neighbor. All of these are true. For Isaiah, all of that is summed up in, I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. These people do not confess their God with their lips. They do not follow after their Lord with their lips. They do not follow him in any way, and thus I am unclean. Notice the seraphim. The seraphim does not come to Isaiah and rub him down with a coal all over his body as if living among the people of unclean lips makes him unclean. He comes to Isaiah and he takes a burning coal from the censure in the altar, that place where the prayers of the saints come out. He takes that burning coal of prayer and puts it to Isaiah's lips so that his mouth can speak rightly the praise of God. He makes him clean. It is a forgiveness, an absolution, the same one that we have. Not that I take a burning coal to your lips and touch you and make you clean today, but that I say to you, I forgive you all of your sins. That is a burning coal. Because now the kindness of God is shown to you through his word. That burning coal that the seraphim touches Isaiah's lips with purifies his lips to offer true worship to God. And the word spoken to you is that burning coal. That now your prayers may ascend again before the Lord and be heard with joy, shaking the foundations of heaven. Isaiah's guilt is taken away. 
His sin has been atoned for. All of this is done because of Jesus. This Jesus that he sees sitting on the throne. You see, sin must be atoned for. It must be made right. There's nothing special about a burning coal. I don't recommend any of you go home, start up the grill today, and try this. It's not a good idea. That burning coal is a burning coal. But the promise and the word of God was attached to that very thing. Just as the promise, the word of God, is attached to that very thing. And that very thing. And that very thing. You see, the word and the promise of God is attached to the things that he has given to you that make you clean. So even as you are standing before God in all of these ways, he's using these things to show you, I'm a sinner and I have been redeemed. I am a sinner and I have been atoned for. I am a sinner and all of my guilt is taken away. What will you say today? Will you say with Isaiah that you are a person of unclean lips, that you are a sinner, that you are deserving to be destroyed, that there is no way you should be seeing any of this, any of what is happening? Or will you say obstinately, I'm good enough. I'm all right. I don't need it. Nice. I show up, do my thing, I'm going to go. How is it that you approach your God this day? It's a big question. And it is a question that we must ask ourselves all of the time. And still, the answer of God, as we consider this, is still to send his son to die for you. To send his word and his sacraments to to deliver that dead and risen son for you. God is working even as we are considering our status before him. Even as we consider, are we truly sinners or are we not? God is working to show you that yes, you are a sinner. But yes, he has redeemed you. There is great joy in the burning coal, that thing that makes us clean. There is. Will you rejoice in his word and his sacraments, his word of promise of forgiveness for you, that word of everlasting life, that you will be able to stand before God, before his face in glory, and not worry about your unclean lips or your unclean heart or your unclean mind. Will you do that? Yes, you will. You have been redeemed. You have been atoned for. You have been forgiven. In Jesus' name, amen. Now may the peace of God, which passes all human understanding, guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.